This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by the all-new 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. A 4x4 SUV with seven available GOAT modes that enable it to go over any type of terrain. For the designers working on the Bronco Sport, the challenge was to recreate a vehicle that lives up to a legend. It was such an opportunity. You know, how could you ask for something more exciting than that is to bring back an icon like Bronco. That's exterior designer Dan Kangas. He really likes his job. I probably talk about cars more than my wife would like. (laughs) The Bronco Sport offers the kinds of sophisticated features that you dream of in a modern SUV. Like Ford Copilot 360 driver assist technologies. And yet, the look and feel is true to the classic and rugged Bronco heritage. It's like a tool. What's there is only what's necessary. Dan's team closely studied vintage Broncos, and they also attended serious off-road races to spend time with the most dedicated four-wheel drive owners. You're surviving in, in a dust cloud, pretty much, watching these vehicles go flying by. It's really insane. But it's getting inspired by the true race vehicles that are out there, because those are the most bare-bones, stripped-down, honest vehicles there are, right? It gives you a reality check. Okay, well, what can we take out uh, to give people what they need and not what they don't? That approach is how you get elements like the Bronco Sports one-piece front grille. It doesn't have any chrome adornment. It's a no-frills design. It's just a surface with some perforation for cooling. It can't really get much more simple than that. See the all-new Bronco Sport for yourself at Ford.com Bronco. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. In recent years, Outside Magazine has published a string of stories on research into the health benefits of nature. A growing body of science suggests that getting outside can help us fend off everything from high blood pressure to depression, and possibly even cancer. In response, a grassroots movement of doctors have begun prescribing the outdoors as the best possible cure for a growing list of ailments. Of course, people don't need a doctor to tell them that a walk in the woods will make them feel better. Humans have been seeking comfort in the wilderness since, well, since forever. This week, for the final episode in our Spring Wildfile series, producer Natalia Luderman brings us the story of a woman who was desperate for healing and found it all on her own at the edge of a stream. Hearing Kayla Lockhart talk about fly fishing makes me want to drop whatever I'm doing and pick up a rod, which is impressive given that the closest I've ever come to fly fishing is watching a river runs through it, and I'm not even sure I got through the whole movie. But getting someone who's never been fishing to go out on the water and lose themselves in the effort of flinging a fake insect through the air and just hoping against hope that they catch something, that's what Kayla loves. Because she knows that fly fishing can provide relief from the worst kinds of fear and pain. Here she is describing the first time fly fishing helped her fend off a panic attack when she was 23 years old and her whole world was collapsing. The feeling of just like a huge sense of relief. I felt like I just unloaded a pile of bricks off of my chest and 
My brain wasn't thinking about what I should have done differently. It wasn't thinking of what's going to happen. It was just, I was there. I was staring at this water. I was listening to it moving. I was looking up at the trees. I was looking for bugs to see if anything was hatching. I was looking at my flies. And like, that's all my brain was thinking about. It was, it was like the first time in my entire life that I've ever just had that feeling of connection with what I was doing. That day changed everything for Kayla. She had discovered a tool that would quiet all the alarm bells in her head and let her take a break from the chaos of her family. And she'd been looking for that tool for a really long time. I guess I could say that around six and seven years old is when my like childhood, I guess I could, it sounds so harsh, but I wouldn't say ended. That's a little dramatic, but it definitely took a huge turn from what I had known and had surrounding me. Kayla was born in a small town in northern Minnesota. She had an older and younger sister who were close to her in age and a dad whose family had a long tradition of hunting and what she now calls conventional fishing. I wouldn't say that I wasn't given an option, but it was something that growing up was just a part of who you are. And luckily my dad <laughs> took me under his wing because I was the only one out of me and my sisters that really took a liking to being outside. When Kayla was six, her parents split up. And her dad would play only a minor role in his daughter's lives for many years. Her mom got a new boyfriend, and things got really difficult. He is the reason my mom started using drugs in the beginning. So, like a lot of a lot of the changes in my upbringing, I I definitely cast a lot of blame towards him. Kayla's home life became chaotic. There were drugs and abuse, and the police would get called. In the middle of this, her mom and boyfriend also had a daughter, so there were now four young girls living in a very unstable situation. To me, it was normal mode, what I thought when I was growing up. Like, it just, it, it, I would say it all felt normal, but it was something that I also knew that I should be ashamed of. Like, I would do everything to hide what happened in my home life from my, like, school and friend life. It was, like, completely separate worlds. When Kayla was 14, her home was raided by the police while she was there with her best friend, but they didn't even talk about it. I never confided in her. I never talked about it. It was just something that, like, we both knew and were aware of in my life, but we never talked about it or anything. Like, I would just bottle it all in and keep that buried <laughs> and then deal with it in my 30s. <laughs> Luckily, humor, like, I swear, helps with everything. <laughs> Within the next year, her mom would go to prison for the first of many times. Kayla and her sisters were forced to split up. Her older sister moved in with a friend, and her younger sister went into foster care. Their half-sister, Adria, who was only four at the time, was adopted into a family that didn't want her to have any contact with her sisters, so they lost touch with her for many years. Kayla was just desperate to be in control of her own life. So she applied to be legally emancipated. I just was like, well, this is what I have to do. I don't have another option. My mom's in prison. I don't want to go to foster care. And I knew that. I didn't want to go in a home. I didn't want to live with my grandparents. I can't sit here and do nothing. I have to take control of my life. And those are like, those are honestly the only motivation that fulfilled me to follow through and make sure that what I wanted was going to happen. The process meant that Kayla, who was still just 15, had to go in front of a judge. You make a case and you it's almost like you're suing your parents in a way because they still have to agree to it. They still have to say like, okay, I'll no longer be your you know parental guardian and you're legally 18 in this, the eyes of the state. And so 
but you do, I did have to do a lot of proving to it. Like I had to like have my schoolwork all in order. I had to have a job. I had to make enough money to show the courts that I can take care of myself essentially. Kayla pulled it off and so officially began taking care of herself. She lived with a friend's family at first, but just before she turned 17, she got her own apartment. Meanwhile, she had almost no contact with her mom. Pretty much from like 16 to 23, the only relationship I really had with my mom was writing cards back and forth to her in in prison, like real letters, not even emails. Being on her own so young wasn't easy, but she got through it. And eventually, things started to feel a little better. She and her sisters were able to reconnect with their younger half-sister, Adria, who became especially close with Kayla, even though they're 10 years apart in age. When Kayla was in her early 20s, her mom was released from a long prison sentence and seemed to be pulling herself together. She got a job and a place to live and was taking regular drug tests. Things over that first year of her being out really progressed, and me and my sisters really were just, like, super hopeful, I guess. And it was, like, the first time where we really felt like, wow, like, we can grow this relationship. I'm starting to feel the trust come back. That winter, Kayla and her sisters had Christmas with their mom for the first time in years. But soon after, things turned dark. Kayla's mom had been using again. They found out when the police raided her house. I felt like my trust was betrayed, and I just felt so used emotionally, I guess, because I really really thought that that was the time that it was over and done with. And so it was really, really hard. Suddenly, everything was falling apart for Kayla. In addition to her mom's relapse, her boss at the chiropractic clinic where she worked was making her miserable. And her relationship with her boyfriend at the time was crumbling. Kayla had been plagued with anxiety her whole life, but now she was reaching a breaking point. It was just felt like my whole world was just collapsing in on me and I couldn't take anything else. And so... That's when I was, like, searching for something to help me. She literally means searching online. That's how she found her way into fly fishing. Honestly, I just Googled it. (laughs) It sounds so silly, but that's what a 23-year-old does is you Google something when you want to know know about it. And I started watching videos, and then it just felt like it was something to distract me at the time is what I was more or less looking for. Kayla bought herself a fly rod and took a class at her local shop. And slowly... She got the hang of it. Fly fishing was the first thing that I could just claim as my own. I didn't have, you know, my dad to teach me. Several months after her mom's place was raided, the court system had gone through its motions and she was once again headed back to prison. The news sent Kayla into a tailspin. I have struggled with panic attacks my whole life and I know when it's coming, like I can feel that buildup in me. I know all the signs that lead to it, but yet you just feel like you can't stop it from happening. Except... This time, she could. Kayla drove out to a small creek in rural northern Minnesota, got out her fly rod, walked into the water, and began casting. It was the biggest sense of relief that I've ever felt. It was something that, like, I felt so lucky to even have been able to find it. I was just like, wow, this is, this is exactly what I needed. We'll be right back. If you could handpick a team to create the ultimate adventure SUV, there's one type of person you gotta choose. A bicycle nut. All my bikes are in the basement because, you know, there's not enough room in the garage. Meet Dong Park, 
exterior design manager for the all-new Ford Bronco Sport. Dong has a lot of bikes. So I have close to maybe 11 bikes. The last time I counted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not surprisingly, Dong's expertise came into play when the team was working to maximize the gear storage of the Bronco Sport, which is why you can fit two 27.5-inch wheel mountain bikes side-by-side in the cargo space thanks to the safari-style roof. That's an absolute must for the design of this vehicle. I don't need to go through the rigmarole of putting the bike on top of the roof and then forgetting it. That's when you drive straight into your garage at the end of the day, right? (laughs) Oh, it's not fun. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos, actually. Dong brought a bike into the studio as they refined the cargo configuration. And the team traveled to Ford's testing grounds to run through packing scenarios for camping, bike trips, and more. Because that's how you build an SUV that delivers what people really need. Learn more about the all-new Bronco Sport at Ford.com Bronco. Available Ford accessories. Recreational equipment not included. Limited availability. See dealer for available inventory stock. That day on the water, when Kayla found relief from her panic through fly fishing, was a revelation. For the first time in her life, she had a way to control the anxiety that she developed through years of trauma, and she didn't require help from anyone else to do it. She started fishing whenever she could. The more and more I did it, and the more and more I went fishing, and the more and more I used that as a tool in my box, as something to help me, just made me not so scared to get overwhelmed. But when I do get stressed, it makes my anxiety even worse because then I get anxious about having a panic attack, which sounds counterintuitive, but it was, it made the panic attacks, I guess, not seem so scary because now here I have this thing that I can go and it will help me. And I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have picked up a fly rod back then. When Kayla wasn't fishing, she was thinking about fishing. She'd spent hours scrolling through Instagram images of people on the water which is how she developed a crush on an Arizona artist, filmmaker, and fly fisherman named Casey Badger. As luck would have it, a friend of hers knew Casey, so she got an introduction, and soon they were messaging each other. They met for the first time when Casey took a work trip to Minnesota. Some five months later, he moved out to Portland, Oregon for a new job, and Kayla went with him. It was five months of just, like, pretty much texting. It, I wouldn't even say that we, you know, it still felt so, so new. Like, you, you could have said we were dating for four days, and I would have believed you because it felt so new when I moved in with him. Kayla had never been outside the Midwest. She was homesick, but she had fly fishing. And now she felt like everyone else should have it, too. There was a sense of of responsibility where I felt like everyone needs to know about it. Like I just couldn't shut up about it. And when I moved to Portland, I was, you know, getting more and more involved in the fly fishing world. And I was seeing certain struggles with certain people trying to start the sport, especially women where, you know, they're having these terrible experiences. And that's when I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do free casting clinics at the baseball field. And, you know, I would do Instagram lives of how to tie a fly and, Just, I definitely started to wake up with a fire in me that I felt like a huge, I guess, desire to share that with as many people that wanted to know about it. Even as Kayla began to feel more comfortable in Portland, her family challenges in Minnesota hadn't gone away. She shared very little of her past with Casey. When she had phone calls with her sisters to talk about their mom's release date from prison, 
she'd go into another room. But that, of course, couldn't last. When he did finally, you know, find out about my mom over the course of us dating, it didn't take him long to put the pieces together that, you know, my life's upbringing was not the same as his. Casey had grown up in a loving and happy family and then lost his father to cancer when he was 18, which made him want to encourage Kayla to do whatever it took to reconnect with her mom. To him, it's like your parents can do no wrong. They're always, you know, they're going to be your parents. And even if they make mistakes, you still accept them. And they're always going to be a part of your life no matter what. It's definitely a huge complication when I try to would try to explain it to him and how exhausting it is to just have a relationship and then have it like completely destroyed over and over and over. It's just something that over time it gets exhausting. And unfortunately, like a... When it comes to addiction, it's it's a, it's a disease that affects the person, but it also affects every single person around them just as hard. This all came to a head when Kayla and Casey traveled to Minnesota for Thanksgiving. Later that same year, they had moved out to Portland. Casey was shooting a fly fishing video for work, and Kayla decided she would come home to see her sisters. They'd also have a chance to visit their mom, who was out of prison and staying in a condo owned by her grandfather, who'd recently passed away. What Kayla and her sisters didn't know was that her mom was there with the same boyfriend who had been so miserable to them as kids and who they blamed for getting their mom into drugs in the first place. So we go inside and I'm already like, my anxiety is just going through the roof. I knew that it was going to be bad. I just knew it. And so we get inside and immediately Melanie sees drugs on the coffee table and she's got a three-year-old daughter. And so my sister Melanie just went in full like crazy mom, which if you've met her, she is so shy. Like she can't even order her own food off of a menu. Like she is so quiet. And she just went off the rails screaming at my mom, just saying, how could you? And it just went from like zero to 16. And I didn't even want to have any confrontation. I didn't want to talk to my mom. I didn't even want to like have an argument or a discussion about it. And Casey's just, I, I mean, he looked like he was just in shock. He was just like, what is happening? How is this real? The hardest part for Kayla wasn't even the disappointment of her mom using again. It was seeing her younger half-sister, Adria, face the dark reality of her family. Having been adopted at a relatively young age, Adria had been spared the trauma of having parents who were addicts. It just was hurtful because it, it was her dad and her mom. And and she, for the longest time, I might get emotional here, but, but, ah, uh, sorry, I just need one minute. But I always hoped that she had it different than me and my sisters. And so the fact that she had to be there for that, that would have been the first time that she would have witnessed that type of stuff. And so that hurt, hurt the most. I have to be a soft spot for her because I I just wanted so much for her. And like the fact that she she got a, a different upbringing than, the, uh, than us. And I know what it could have been if it, it didn't change. And for her, like she graduated with honors. She had a scholarship. She was you know, on competitive dance team. Like, she, her life was so, so different than mine and my sister's. And then, you know, when she had to 
to witness that, I just, it was, it was really hard because I, I never wanted her to ever have to even remotely know what it was like. But she's, she's amazing and for the cards that she got dealt, she, she really turned out a way above anyone's expectations. After Kayla and Casey returned to Portland, Kayla fished more than ever. She also worked on building her relationship with her father, who had slowly been coming back into her life. And so about a year and a half later, she and Casey took another trip to Minnesota, this time to go fishing on a lake that her dad's side of the family had been going to for generations. They invited Adria to come with them. Well, pretty much every morning she'd jump on the boat with me and Casey and she'd go fishing with us. It was just so exciting to share that passion with her and also just to be able to give her another resource that I found that, you know, helps me on tough days. I hope that she, you know, mentally doesn't go through some of the stuff that I do. I hope she doesn't have anxiety and stuff like that. But, but you know, everyone has bad days. And if I can give her a, a resource that helps her that is just getting her outside is huge. And of course, she was just amazing at it. Like, she picked it up and was like, oh, this is how you did it? I was like, yes. Took me a year to figure that out. <laughs> As Kayla would learn, there are other people who also believe that fly fishing has a unique power to help people, and especially kids, get through hard times. In 2018, Kayla was thumbing through fly fishing photos on Instagram when she stumbled onto the Mayfly Project a small but growing nonprofit organization that mentors kids in foster care through fly fishing. And I was like, foster care, kids, fly fishing? I was like, how am I not a part of this? And so I immediately emailed them. Soon, Kayla was on the phone with one of the founders, Caitlin Barnhart, asking how she could start a Mayfly Project chapter in Portland. As they spoke, Kayla found herself opening up about her life to a complete stranger in a way she never would have expected. Caitlin was so moved by what she heard that she would go on to write a piece about Kayla for Fly Fisherman magazine. It would have a big impact on Kayla and a lot of other people. She gave me the opportunity to share my story, but also to to share it in a way that would be an open door for other people that had a similar situation. And after that, like it was just like a floodgate was open through social media and my emails. There was, you know, 10-year-olds emailing me to 70-year-olds emailing saying that their granddaughter is going through the same thing. I've never felt that connection with strangers on such a deep level. I've always been known to hide, and here I am giving these people a motivation to change their life. Like, I'll never forget this one 12-year-old. They sent me a message on, on Instagram, and they're like, I'm not adopted yet. I'm in th off a temporary group home right now. She was saying that she was so inspired that I, you know, had this upbringing, and it wasn't my future. And she's like, I've always just looked at myself that this is, this is just what it's going to be like, and I'll never have an amount to greater things other than this. And Man, when she said that, I was just like, wow, like, I remember feeling like that. And it's, and that's kind of when I was like, oh my gosh, like this, if the change is one person, like that, there's no way I can not use this as an opportunity to help other people. And she has. Kayla now heads up the Mayfi Project's Portland chapter, leading fly fishing trips and clinics for youth who remind her a lot of her younger self. These kids just, they, 
they go through so much and they have such trust issues, especially with adults and having someone, even if it's just teaching them how to fly fish or just showing them a new skill to learn, just being there and being accountable and showing up for these kids means so much more than anything else to them. To give these kids a mentor that they can have fun with and laugh with and not feel any pressure to talk about things that they don't want to talk about and just to feel like a kid that's not going through that stuff. One of the most important lessons Kayla hopes to share with anyone she can convince to pick up a fly rod is that there are parts of life that you can control and other parts you just can't. That's what she experiences every time she's on the water. A lot of times I want to be in control of so many situations because then I'm hoping I can control all these outcomes. And it's definitely a sense of just protecting myself from getting hurt. Anytime I lose that control, it fuels my anxiety for sure. And I never connected those dots, but with fly fishing, you're forced to break away from that control issue because there's so many elements within fly fishing that are out of your control and it forces you to be way more patient with yourself and with, you know, everything that's going around around you. The weather is a huge role in fly fishing. There's no way I can control the weather. The condition of the water, I can't control that. What the bugs are doing, if they're hatching, if there is no hatch. You can't control if there's going to be trees behind you that will force you to have to do a different style of casting. There's literally every single thing that evolves around fly fishing is out of your control. Over the last couple of years, Kayla has become an increasingly popular figure in the world of fly fishing. She has more than 23,000 followers on Instagram, where she regularly posts photos of her adventures on the water and promotes her sponsors. She's also starting to host fishing trips, like one planned for next year to a lodge in Mexico. But even if fly fishing is becoming her job, it's always going to mean a lot more to her than that. Sometimes life is extremely unfair. Like you don't get to pick certain things that happen, to pick certain people that are involved in your life, but you do get to pick what you do about it. And luckily, fly fishing really fueled me to to do that. You know, if people have these struggles and they they can find that sense of relief and and just heal at at all. I mean, if it helps one person, I think I've done my job as far as what I aim to do for people. That was Kayla Lockhart speaking with producer Natalia Luderman. You can learn more about Kayla on her website, kaylalockhart.com, or follow her on Instagram. She's at Kayla Lockhart. Natalia produced this episode, which was edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music for our entire Wildfile series is by Louis Weeks. This is our last episode in this run of the Wildfiles. If you enjoyed these stories, you can find them at outsideonline.com slash wildfiles. Though, of course, they're also right here in the Outside podcast feed. The Wildfiles was sponsored by the all-new 2021 Ford Bronco Sport a 4x4 SUV with seven available GOAT modes that enable it to go over any type of terrain. Learn more at ford.com slash bronco. We're going back to one episode a week through the end of the summer, with new episodes publishing on Wednesdays. You can follow The Outside Podcast wherever you get your audio. Thanks for listening.